I'd like to uh, create a start point here as we get going on the sermon, and I'd like you to let me know how many of you have written a thank you note in the past week? Show of hands. You wrote a thank you note. Okay. Okay, you're doing pretty well. You're about even with the nine o'clock service, just to let you know. And how about how many of you have received a thank you note in the past week? Oh, a little more. Good thing our friends are writing us thank you notes. And did any of you gently encourage, nudge, or nag someone else to write a thank you note? Uh huh. Uh huh. I see that they're pointing at each other over there. So whose voice comes to mind when I ask that question? Uh, sure, it might remind you of your mother, maybe the morning after Christmas or the day after your birthday, when you feel a little guilty knowing that your grandmother is maybe eagerly checking her box like mine did, her mailbox at the nursing home after she would send me a check. She'd notice if I didn't write the thank you note at all, but she'd notice if I didn't write the thank you note in a timely fashion. And by the way, does a thank you note have to be a note or does an email count? Does a text count? Is it two texts equals one written thank you note? Something like that? I've received some really gracious thank you notes this week. I, I think God had planned that in advance. One came from our plumber. Um, now, in all circumstances, you don't necessarily want to need a plumber, but if you do need a plumber, I'm going to call this guy back because he wrote this really nice thank you note thanking us for choosing his company and reminding us that he was at our service, for which we paid dearly. <laughs> And the other day on my wedding anniversary, flowers arrived at work. I tore open the card expecting a love note from my spouse. And instead, it was an amazing thank you note from a friend who thought I'd done something especially great and I didn't even think it was that big of a deal. Now, just to make sure my husband's not in the doghouse, make it clear later that evening there was a great dinner out that included red roses and a wonderful meal and he and another guy we celebrated two couples celebrating their anniversary together had written out three of the reasons they knew they'd married the right person and so i want to give him full anniversary credit but that will be for another sermon so I have these great flowers and these great reminders of people who have expressed their gratitude uh, to me. This week, we're discussing the spiritual practice of giving thanks. It's part of our summer series on spiritual practices, which wraps up next week, and you won't want to miss the wrap-up. It's a little bit the best of, as well as one more point. But today, gratitude. Thank yous in any form are more than just good manners or good business practice. Our moms, our grandmothers, and Jesus are all in agreement that saying thanks is important. Our first passage this morning is from the book of Luke and reveals how important gratitude is to Jesus. In this story of 10 lepers who are living in a northern region outside of a village, we see these true outcasts from the community who call out to Jesus you see, to be a leper means no one wants to be near you. There's laws against what you can do as a leper. They were not allowed to go to worship unless they got there way early, like an hour early, sat in the front and stayed there and didn't move until everybody else had entirely cleared out the temple. They couldn't get physically close enough to someone to even have a conversation, which is why we hear them calling out to Jesus in a loud voice, like as if he were back there in the back of the community center. And Jesus turns and responds, which is his first gift, that he even connects with them at all. 
But he does more than that. He gives them these instructions. Hey, go, walk along the road and show yourself to the priests. Well, they're not supposed to go anywhere near priests. So they have to kind of trust as they're doing this that something's going to happen. So as they're walking along, can you just kind of imagine them? Like we're walking along, they're, hey, you guys, are we really going to do this? Are we going to walk right up to the priests? And I picture this, the first guy saying, as they're talking, maybe like me with, talking with their hands and going, you know, like my, my hands, my hands are clearing up. <gasps> Your face is looking really good. You guys, check, what, we're getting healed. And this one guy, he just is so thrilled he turns around and it's this is kind of a part of what we see in his spirit happening he has to turn around and go give thanks which he does have you ever experienced something like that in your own life something that just takes your breath away it's so wonderful maybe something that even caused you to drop to your knees and say thank you to God in this story, Jesus is surprised that just this one guy returns, and in fact, he's really surprised that this is the man who returns. This isn't a faithful Jewish guy who's being, being uh, taught all along. This is a Samaritan, an outsider. And Jesus asked this one guy, well, where are the other nine? If I were him, I'd be thinking like, I don't know. I'm not responsible for them. Like, I came back. Um, what happened with the other nine? Were they just... And maybe we'd be like this too. Were they just following directions? I mean, Jesus said, walk along, go show yourself to the priests. And if they did, and if they were clean, they'd kind of get a, a written you know, sign off, like you're clean now, you can go hang out, back, go home and hang out with other people. Maybe they were thinking, well, if we don't do that, this like, if we turn around, maybe the leprosy will start coming back as we go back. But Jesus looks at this guy and now gives him another gift. Jesus gives him a second miracle. It's more than just the healing of his physical ailments. Jesus says, your faith has made you whole. Okay, wait, his faith has made him whole. Where was his big confession of faith? All we see so far is gratitude and thanksgiving. And it's counted to him as faith. Your faith has saved you. It's healed you. You have a whole new relationship with God. This is this gift of salvation happens right here. He has a gift far bigger than the other nine. So I'd like to suggest that in this story, we see two types of gratitude. The first one is being grateful for a blessing that you received and showing appreciation. Something great happens and we're thankful. In Greek, this might be thankful for life itself, this physical life, like bios. My physical life has been changed by God. And then comes this second blessing that this man is thankful for. It's zoe, it's eternal life. It's like a second gift. Not only am I healed in my body, but I'm healed in my soul. We can receive this kind of healing of our soul in the midst of all circumstances says the Apostle Paul. How could we be thankful all the time? If we could, there'd be no need for this sermon. If we were naturally just thankful, accepting, trusting, you know, we wouldn't need these, these nudges. It's our nature to, to receive the blessing and kind of have a fleeting gratitude. Reformed theologian John Calvin says, we don't want to be people who just gulp down God's benefits. 
Doesn't that describe us sometimes? Like something good happens, great. What's the next best, you know, next good thing that's going to happen? We take the gift, but we ignore the giver. The nine took the gift. They went on their way. But they didn't turn around to say thank you to the one who gave the gift. It's easy for us to do this, isn't it? To enjoy God's blessings that have flowed into our lives and miss the spiritual reality, the spiritual call behind what God's given us to be stewards over, even the gift of life itself. We want to be people that not only notice the gift and acknowledge the giver, but are in relationship with that giver. That we experience both this kind of physical wholeness and spiritual wholeness, this abundant life that Jesus talks about that's available to us all the time. The Apostle Paul himself lived in the shadow of death, and yet he's thankful. He says, give thanks in all circumstances, not for all circumstances. That's really over the top. I mean, we can't be thankful for things that we had prayed against, if you will. I mean, I I have a hard time to be thankful that I got diagnosed with cancer or thankful for the loss of someone that I love or thankful for the the natural disasters. How could we possibly be thankful for that? But we can be thankful that God is at work in the midst of all circumstances. We can trust that in the worst of times, God is at work. That The scripture says God works all things together for good for those who love him. That somehow, some way, far beyond my understanding, God can take any circumstance and transform it and use it for good. This is the challenge that we have, to seek the spirit of God when times are dark. Our wholeness goes beyond the healing that we pray for, the physical healing. It's a calling to notice where God is at work, to acknowledge that even if it's not the way we would choose for God to be at work, God is at work, that God is still God. We can be thankful that God's going to take these jagged pieces of our lives, pieces that don't fit, pieces that are sharp and pokey that we don't want, and fit them into a puzzle to make our life complete. Gratitude is the ultimate expression of faith. Gratitude says, we believe in you, God, that you will somehow do good. We're confident that you are God, even in the midst of our circumstances. There's a pastor named John Claypool whose story includes a chapter that was 18 months and 10 days long. That's the amount of time that his daughter spent having been diagnosed with leukemia until the day she died. We see in his story someone who was almost crushed by grief, and yet the light comes into his heart as he finds a way to find Jesus and turn toward him with thanks even through these circumstances. A month after his daughter's death, he was able to preach again. And here is some of his perspective, which he writes about in a book called Steps of a Fellow Struggler, which has helped me in times of grief. He says this, In a nutshell, I have learned what it means to understand something as gift and to handle it with gratitude, a perspective that biblical faith puts all around life. And I am here to testify that this is the only way down the mountain of loss. 
I do not mean to say that such a perspective makes things easy, for it does not. But it at least makes things bearable. When I remember that my daughter Laura Lou was a gift, pure and simple, something I neither earned nor deserved nor had a right to, and when I remember that the appropriate response to a gift, even when it is taken away, is gratitude, then I'm better able to turn and thank God that I was ever given her in the first place. Be thankful in all circumstances. We receive more than healing, but even salvation. More than life itself, but eternal life when we turn toward God and trust him. We see this in Jesus himself as he institutes the Lord's Supper. Jesus says, I have eagerly desired to to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, this is what he said to his disciples, I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. So Jesus knew what was coming next. He, He had a sense of his own suffering. And yet, after taking the cup, he gave thanks and said, Take this and divide it among you. For I tell you, I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread, gave thanks, and broke it. And gave it to them, saying, This is my body broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And then in the same way, after supper, he took the cup and said, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. Three times in this passage, Jesus gives thanks before he suffers. I think he gives us this concrete reminder, even when we celebrate the Lord's Supper, to give thanks in all circumstances to be in relationship with God, even in the darkest of times. An attorney named John Kralik was at a point in his life that he describes as a nadir. Now, how many of you, are there some like Scrabble people out there? A nadir, do you know what that? Excellent, you beat the 9 o'clock service. I'm gonna keep a record here. I had to look up the dictionary. I mean, let me help you out and you don't have to pull out your smartphone or Bing or Google it, I've done it for you. The nadir, the lowest point the point of greatest adversity or despair. So this was the low point for John. His law firm is failing. He has financial woes. He's been divorced twice. He's living in a terrible apartment. He's estranged from his kids. He's overweight and his girlfriend has dumped him. But one day he receives a thank you note. It's an epiphany for Mr. Kralik. He realizes how few times in his life he's ever thanked anyone and how small a role gratitude has played in his life. Armed with that knowledge and a huge stack of stationery, he begins to write thank you notes. He writes personal messages of gratitude to almost anyone you could imagine, from his sons, colleagues, old friends, even his ex-wife, the building superintendent of the apartment he doesn't like, and the guy who serves him at his local coffee shop. Mr. Kralik finds that the act of expressing thanks changes not only him, but his circumstances as well. The goodwill that he creates seems to reverse the trajectory of his life. He even finds himself literally at the door of a church. Now, admittedly, this is because he was running and he fell down. But he decides to go in and he decides to go regularly. I suspect that had something to do with his turnaround as well. 
What about you? I know I have this issue where I really love buying stationery. You know, beautiful cards. Any of you like to go to the card shop? I have boxes. There's another one over in the sanctuary, and there's still one at home. Boxes of stationery that I intend to write fabulous notes on. Sometimes I even write the note in my mind. I, you know, what I would say. I, I do this in the in my in the morning time. Oh, I'm so grateful. And then maybe I get the pen to the page. Maybe not. Sometimes I write it out, and I can't find the address. You ever have this problem getting the note and the address connected and in the mail with a stamp? Good intentions, lack of follow-through. John Kralik made it a habit of saying thanks. They say 30 days to a habit. He took it to 365 days. One of our deacon leaders took up this same practice every day of Lent. She sent a card to someone, a card of thanks or encouragement to someone who had touched her. Who ma- and she made a difference for those she wrote to, as well as deepening her own relationship with Jesus and turning her heart toward gratitude. What about a time where you were simply noticed? One day, a note appeared in my office. It was a thank you card from an elder, and it made me laugh out loud. It was a thank you for my thank you. It was a you're welcome card. I'd never seen a card like this. It was thanking me for sending her a thank you card. Talk about gratitude. Receiving her card for thanking me, for thanking her, made me want to send her a thank you card for the thank you, just so we could keep having these really great words of encouragement going around. What about a time when you were grateful? Who did you thank? How did you do it? What does it look like? What does it look like for us to have a habit of being grateful? A habit of expressing gratitude. It's a spiritual practice that not only blesses us, but draws us into whole relationships with others and with our God. It brings wholeness in the midst of our circumstances. It builds a pathway of trust with Jesus. And somehow in the story of how grateful that now healed leper was, we see that gratitude turned to faith that his heart being so open to God caused God, Jesus, to say, your faith has healed you, has made you whole. Maybe you too will develop this spiritual gift of appreciation, being, uh, being grateful even on the spot for what God is doing. So what about this week? I have two assignments. One, I encourage us to notice something that we appreciate about someone, like a, a concrete thing. Notice it. Write it and send, email or text, I think it all counts, some way of expressing your gratitude to that person. And then secondly, I invite us to notice something that transcends circumstances, to thank God for that gift. Perhaps even start the day noticing what we're grateful for. So any sermon wouldn't be complete without a story of one of Scott Dudley's friends, right? So... Scott and Christina and their family are down visiting in California, and they get together with a friend who, would you believe this, has recently written song lyrics about gratitude. I had to have them. Even though the music isn't ready, we're hoping maybe by Thanksgiving we could hear how Debbie Schaefer puts this whole song together. But she articulates gratitude to God so well. She says, I am so grateful for all you have given. The strength for this journey the promise of heaven, a seat at your table, a place in your kingdom, the love of the Father, 
these sisters and brothers, I am so grateful. Father, how I love you. Thank you for the light of your son. Thank you for the joy of your spirit. Thank you we sing out as one. Please pray with me. Mighty God, we thank you for this revelation of who you are, that you are a God who not only works miracles, but longs to be in relationship with us. Lord, we thank you for this one healed man who turns around and gives you thanks and praise. And we ask that that would become our story. Lord, that we wouldn't take your gifts for granted, but we would become a people whose habit is to turn to you, to look for you in all circumstances, and to trust that you are working things together for good. Lord, we thank you for giving us life. We thank you for being with us when times are hard. We thank you for making sense out of the nonsense of our lives. We thank you for the promise that ultimate good will occur. Lord, we thank you for the stories of our lives, for the ways our little lives intersect with your eternal plan. And our God, we thank you that because we trust in you, we can give thanks in all circumstances. In the name of Jesus, by the power of the Holy Spirit, amen.